With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommy's on Anfield Index. I'm Jim Boardman and I'm with Jay Reid and we're going to have a look back at what's happened in the last week or so with Liverpool Football Club and what's been happening from the point of view of being in the city of Liverpool and um, maybe a little bit look back further as well because we basically finally got to the end of part one of this weirdly interrupted season. We've got something or other called a World Cup taking place in Qatar which isn't still isn't getting much of my attention. Um, that interruption of course means that the proper football's interrupted but um, there's still a lot going on as we said last week there's always stuff going on in this city and with this club so let's try and go through it I mean I don't know where to start have you had a good week have you had a good week since the last game since we were last on AJ I've had a long week <laughs> <laughs> it we was just saying before yeah. we started I, as we record it's Friday afternoon and Saturday gone six days ago feels like an absolute age because it kind of fell into the usual sort of situation of oh Liverpool play every three days and that's how you work your life out because Liverpool are playing one or two days from now or Liverpool played one or two days ago and the next one is coming up literally around the corner and yeah. as we now look at it our next game is the 22nd of December in the energy drink monkey Carabao whatever milk league <laughs> beer con- competition they want to call it these days I don't know um, Have you ever actually had any Carabao? Ever, I've never. Even, I don't think I've even seen no, it. No, I've seen it in shops. It's like it's like the poor cousin of Red Bull. Like it, it kind of looks like the, the, the Aldi version. I was going to say that, the Aldi. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if that was a nice way of putting it. Um, people who would understand that obviously is um, Aldi is a cheap brand supermarket, and and, and that's a, a rip off. Is a, usually found on their shelves. Yeah, just to the same like pretty much same quality, but. Um, no, I can't confess to ever having one, but it was kind of laughable. I thought that uh, the authorities deemed that our game against City 
would be the last one of that week on Thursday um, because the World Cup finishes on the Sunday and give maximum opportunity for you know City's horde of players who potentially could be playing in the latter stages of the competition to make sure they're back and give them the best opportunity for a full-strength team because why would you give Liverpool an advantage of playing um, earlier on in the week when we've got you know less representation? Yeah, I mean, why? Yeah, why? Why would City get the um, the preference? Um, but that's that's maybe something for another podcast, and we've got to be careful what accusations you mm. you make. But you know, for lots of reasons, City can um, City can buy the way into more success, if you like, than a lot of other clubs. And um, maybe we'll come on to that. But that's that's clearly why I think FSG are looking to sell now because financial fair play is just a myth. It doesn't happen. It's not a real thing. Never probably was um, any chance of it. Um, the better lawyers won, which is usually the case, isn't it, with money? The more money you've got, the better lawyers you get, the more you can um, push people with less money out of the way and things. So that's what happened. Um, City won the FFP battle, which that's what it feels like anyway to fans. And it's a shame it's like that. But I suppose going, let's go, let's go back a week then. Let's go back to that game, the last game of this half of the season. And I know before we went into it, we were talking about how important it was for us to win because we'd had such a, a, a shaky start to the season in, in every way. I mean, the, we even started the Champions League off on a really bad foot, but I feel ended the group stages in a good foot. And then with the season itself, it's been so up and down. But we are in still in that fizzy drink cup. We are still... Um, not so much in contention for the title, definitely not, but we're in contention for the Champions League places. And, of course, Champions League itself were in that in the in the new year. So it was just important to get that first win, or that last win, if you like, under the belt, and go into that, that break, this stupid enforced break now, not thinking about a defeat and all the ramifications of that. You know, we've got weeks now where we can just um, sort of look forward rather than back. Yeah, it's... As you say at the beginning, it was what well, we said for weeks. It's a weird season. It's unprecedented in terms of having a major international tournament wedged in um, so close to Christmas as well, which we we touched on um, last week. But it, it it does feel a little bit relieved that we've got to this point. It's not where we'd want to be. Obviously, we all rolled into the season coming off the. You know the charity shield, community shield. Sorry, um, with high hopes. You know we 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 put City to bed. Um, we thought you know Darwin Nunes was going to outscore Aaron Carlin. Aaron Carlin was a flop, and you know the the league was going to be wrapped up by Christmas. But little did we know what was actually going to transpire. And mm. we we've sort of bumbled our way through. Um, but I think in the last you know four, five, six games. Um, We've seen a lot more positive signs, um, you know, a bit more sort of structure in terms of positional play. Um, and it, it's too easy to say we just went back to basics, but we literally did um, in terms of, you know, you keep the you keep the back door shut to your best of your ability. And the quality we've got up the top and in the pitch should always see you through the games. Um, and, you know, it has done. Um we, we've slowly started to climb the table. Ideally, we'd like to be, you know, two or three, four spots higher, but we are where we are. And I think looking forward, the positives to take are key players like Luis Diaz, Diogo Jota. We've missed them the last five weeks or something like that. Um, 
they're, they're massive for us. You know, Ibu Kanate has only just come back, played a handful of games, and it's fi- fairly evident that he is a he's a different class to for me to Matip and Gomez in terms of his defensive work and um, hopefully you know we know where the, the problem is in the centre of the field it's, it's it's well documented it's highlighted and the amount of media coverage it's getting you would like to hope there's a little bit of substance to the fact that we may actually delve into the market um, in January or or prior to January in, in terms of agreeing a deal and getting it tied up much like the, the Van Dyke one um, where basically it was just before Christmas, we all got that present of, uh, or maybe between Christmas and New Year, I can't quite remember exactly, but Van Dyke was stood with his Liverpool shirt in front of his Christmas tree. We were like, yeah. wow, well, there we go. If we could have that with a midfielder, you know, we, we could all throw names out there who we like, who we want. But, you know, a, a competent, fit, athletic midfielder, you know, that, that would be a, a lovely Christmas present and a, and a healthy boost in terms of, going into the second half of the season, added to that, you know, lads coming back from injury and those who've gone to the World Cup hopefully coming back with a, a full bill of health as well. Yeah, and I think there's there's nothing to suggest that even though FSG are um, interested in bringing new shareholders in or selling the club, depending on which extreme you want to go with, there's nothing to suggest that they're going to change how they're running the club for the time being. And the way they run the club, and they've had a lot of detractors, is, is that when they can make money available from within the club, they make money available from within the club and there's loads of potential for Liverpool to make money from within the club. Okay, it's difficult to compete with people who are bankrolled by nations that are rich off the price of oil, which at the minute, like all sort of energy costs, is off the scale and there's all kinds of profits being made by people who work in that industry or are involved in that industry. So it's a hard thing for Liverpool to compete with. But even so, we do go along and find these players like we found Van Dijk, like we found Diaz, like we found... Salah back in the day, you know, it feels like a long time ago now, but we've gone and found these players and found the money we've needed for them. The difficulty, of course, is that the money you need seems to be going up and up and up, even quicker than um, energy bills. Um, although the governments are probably trying to do all they can to make sure that's not always the case, make sure they keep going up nice and fast. But it's been, it's, it's been, a, I think we've, we've had a decent time with, with FSG. Whether we get more off another owner or not, it's another, another matter, but we've, we've got, in my view, we've always had sort of transfer windows where if we've really needed something, we've got it. And it's always got to have been the right one. And that's one thing. I know sometimes FSG are criticised and the sort of people aren't happy and they're being, thinking they're being overcautious. But I think there's a real reluctance from Liverpool to spend 60 million quid on someone who might not be what you want. And um, the closest we've had to that is maybe with Darwin and just at the beginning of the season where people were beginning to wonder, is is this the first time we've messed up? But um, I'm not sure how many people were really thinking that when they really sat and thought about it and remembered, you know, you've got to give him time and all the rest of it. And he's showing now he was a good signing. Um, obviously, you can imagine if it was another club, they they would have spent... 50% more maybe on, on a similar kind of signing. So that's what we're up against. But yeah, all, all, in my view, all, all signs are that we're going to try and spend in this window if we can, if there's the right thing there. And there's no reason why we shouldn't. This club generates so much money. There's so much comes through the turnstiles every weekend. There's so much going through the tills, not just at the club, but around the world in the deals they've done with Nike, the way that Liverpool gets so much of a cut of, of the money that comes from that deal. It's, 
it's a brand, you know, they literally went through litigation with um, New Balance to make sure they could get this deal with Nike because it offered so much more in terms of what came in from actually selling the shirts around the world and how many places it could be sold in. So there's no reason we haven't got the money. So I'm, I'm again, like yourself, fingers crossed that this Christmas we'll have one of those pictures of someone that we really need. Um, maybe as we go through the World Cup, we can have a look and think about where do we really need players? Because if we're greedy, you can probably think of like, quite a few places where we'd like improvements but I think one thing that's key as well what you've just said as well is that so far this season we've had so many players missing and I I was talking to someone yesterday about about the season so far and one thing that jumped out at me is the amount of times I've done podcasts either raw or or this or just talked in general about about the game on on anything and about Liverpool's last match or whatever did you talk about the starting lineup and what you thought of it well every time you look at a starting lineup you look at the bench and you think, well, that's pretty much the only starting lineup we could do. You know, maybe one, one or two players on the bench that maybe could have come in. But on the whole, this season, it feels like every single game we've picked the 11 fit players. And that's about, you know, that's about all we could do. And I don't know whether that's a worry because it means that there's a bigger problem or whether that's something we can think, well, that was just a bad spell. Every club has them. Um, I don't know. But do, were we unlucky to have all those injuries? Can we hope that that's now behind us? Um, I think on the whole, we've we've probably had a rough rough ride in terms of injuries because when we tend to get them, we get them all in one area. Right? We, yes. we all know the, the central defensive problem. Um, you know, left wing, Jota and Diaz, like, they are probably starters for every other team in the league. Um, or if not a starter, they would be very close to who they couldn't start on the left-hand side, but I can't think of anyone better, like Jack Grealish or, you know, He's not. He's not better than Diaz or Jota. Maybe you not know, an argument for Phil Foden, but nobody else really would stand out. Maybe Martinelli at Arsenal, but it's it's give and take. Um, I'd still have Lewis Diaz personally, but yeah, you know mid- midfield. We we all know. We we've all banged on about it, but you know we're we're light in there in terms of availability of numbers and availability of you know full fitness. Um, in terms of what we got in there, like relying on on James Milner, and we've mentioned it before, that to his credit, he goes out there and he gives all he's got, and sometimes all he's got just isn't to the standard we require. Um, it's not his fault. He's 36 years of age, and yeah. he's being asked to play for us. Like if the ideal situation presents itself, he'd be, you know, maybe down the leagues playing, you know, League One Championship football. Um, on a regular basis where it's a bit more slow, a bit more rough and ready, where he can probably get away with his, his rough and tumble a bit more. Um, it just seems to be an unfortunate case that it all happens at once. Um, but, you know, every, every team gets injuries and I think what doesn't help is we're allowed five subs now and the benches have got, what is it, nine players on the bench. Yeah. And, you know, you go back further than I do, but I'm used to the days of when it was it was five and you allowed three subs and, you know, it goes back further to when there probably wasn't really any subs or he was one man and that was your sub and if he was a centre-forward or he was a centre-half, that was just the guy you had there. Yeah, so, yeah. And the only looked, came on for injuries as well, usually. Yeah. He'd come on just for injuries. It just looks a bit worse, I think, now, like, you know, nine subs and unless you are highly fortunate in the injury category and you know, highly wealthy enough to have 
international stars lining your bench and probably a couple in the stands plus the 11 lads on the field. You are going to have a couple of lads sat there or in our case, which which really baffles me is having two keepers on the bench all the time. Like, put a young youngster on there. There's, there's, there's plenty of young talent in, in our academy. Surely we don't need Kelleher and Adrian sat on the bench. Like, you know, <laughs> I just feel it's a bit of a waste of a space. Give some lad the opportunity, but um, it can then look obviously a little bit like lightweight or a little bit sort of suspect in terms of well, we haven't got nothing else, and and that's what it is. So I think you know it's a combination of the current rule system and yeah, the injuries that we have got. It, it doesn't it doesn't reflect well, but you know you, you can't moan really because everybody gets injuries. It's you know how you deal with them. And hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Sometimes others deal with them better because maybe they've got more finances to be able to afford to have 40, 50 million pound backups in, in every position where the majority of clubs have just got to be savvy in terms of doing what they can, where they can. And if, you, if you're lightweight like we have been at right back, then that's just the, the situation you've got to deal with. Yeah, and I think we've got to look at doing things like, um, I mean, if, if you listen to kind of all the supposed philosophies of FSG, from when we first got them as owners, the idea was that they wouldn't want anyone who was over a certain age to be brought in, and they wouldn't want anyone over a certain age to get a new contract. They wanted to keep everyone young. And if you look at the age of the team now and the older players who are so good, you know, you're not going to let those go. You're, you're, you're going to keep those players. You're going to hang on to those players as long as you can. Eventually, they'll be too old, and eventually you'll let them go. But yeah, an example is bringing James Milner in, and for all the mixed feelings there are about that player, what what he's done, and I know he costs money because his wages are higher because we didn't pay a transfer fee for him, but we brought a player in, we, we brought loads of experience, who who does, I'm sure, is a massive difference in the dressing room, which is something that quite often gets forgotten. He's you know he's a, he's a good player to have around, and maybe um, if we haven't got fifty million pounds to spend on more. <clears throat> I mean, what did Jack Grealish cost to spend most of his life on the bench? We haven't got that kind of money for people to sit on the bench, but maybe we need to look at players who can come in and 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 help out when there are injuries. Who are going to be happy to be, um, maybe not playing as much, but playing at a club like Liverpool when they do get to play. And that's that's something I think we we really do need to look at. And maybe that means we're going to get players who are going to get a decent payday for what's left of the career. Maybe not going to play that many games, but could actually be the difference between winning and losing a final. Because you've had such a shortage of players, because like the the nine players we had on the bench, as you say for Southampton, as you say, two goalkeepers, which I also don't understand. I, I get it if you was like if you're on a tour somewhere, 
and they're the only nine players you've got left, you you might as well stick one of the keepers on the bench. Or if it's like, um, I'm not sure if in Champions League games you kind of get to put all of your squad on the bench. I can't remember. I know in in, in um, that World Cup thing that we're trying to not talk about, I think your whole squad can be on the bench if they're not on the pitch. So that that kind of thing, fair enough. But for this, I, I don't understand it. But then... Um, <clears throat> The biggest reminder of where we were and, and the troubles we had is that Nat Phillips came on towards the end, didn't he? And I was thinking, I'm not having a go at Nat because I think he did a good job for us in the circumstances. But, you know, that that's where we're at in terms of backup. That we, we got to the point where Nat Phillips had to come in for a for a league game. And that's something... And I'm not having a go at him here because I know he's he's, a, he's, he's good enough at a certain, to a certain extent. But, you know, is that is that good enough for the future for us? And that's something that I think we need to look at in this window and future windows is, is how we get our backups ready. Because as we saw in that COVID season, and as we've seen to some extent this season, injuries happen and there's nothing you can do, no matter how good you are, no matter how good your doctor is, there's, there's times when you can't do anything about it. If your, if your striker is going to get clattered by a big defender and, you know, have a really dodgy injury, that's going to happen. If you're, you know, you, even with being allowed to make five subs, there's still going to be a player who just runs that little bit too long, has that little five minutes too many on the pitch because someone else was in a worse state, and as a result pulls a hamstring or something. And these things happen, so we just got to get got to get better at it. But that game yeah. against Southampton, you know, it, I think um, I don't know the injuries were still there. The fact that we had to bring him on, yeah, it, it's it, as you've said, it's, it's not his fault. Much in the in the case of James Milner, like. If Nat Phillips was was good enough to be, you know, a, a rotation option at centre back for us, then there would be clubs knocking on our door to say we'll take him off your hands, yeah, because the, the caliber of team and level that we we operate at, um, you, you know, you, you would like to think that players, you know, if they if they're in a rotation option or they're, they're available in the squad to be picked every week, um, there'd be lesser clubs in terms of where they couldn't be apply their trade, knocking on your door and saying, well, if you're not going to play him every week, we'll certainly take him. Yeah. Um, and maybe we outpriced him out of a move, maybe he didn't want to move, you know, maybe there wasn't suitors there available. There's, you know, arguments to be had on several occasions, but he he shouldn't really be knocking around our team. Um, and that could then again be, you know, the, the, the transfer situation, was he refusing to go with someone not willing to pay the price or whatever, or were we too hesitant in terms of being able to to let him go and feel comfortable that we could bring someone else in? Because we've seen the situation that transpired a few seasons ago and, you know, is Klopp just being uber careful and thinking, well, I, c- I can't possibly go to that again. Um, but on the flip side, you think, well, if you, if you can... If you've got an asset there that you might only see four or five games a season across a 64, 65 game season or whatever, and you know, three or four of them are maybe starting domestic cups and the odd sub appearance like we've seen last week, surely, again, to me, you cash in, you bring the money in because that's the sort of model we, we operate on. And there must be a young boy in the academy who is willing to be in that position to, to step up and say, well, I, I can do that job. I'm only 18, 19 years of age, but but give me a go and, you know, we, we should be able to look at him and say, yeah, he's got the potential to do that. Because um, sometimes it feels as though there's a huge chasm, even though they both, all teams are now based in Kirby at the facility and this was the, 
a huge idea and the, the grand vision to have all teams there. So if there was somebody impressing, it was easily available to take them and throw yeah. them into the first team picture. And we've done that. You know, we've seen youngsters across the years being cherry picked out of the younger teams and given opportunities. But I do feel also there's there's probably a handful of players on our academy books are under 18, under 23 level, under 21, whatever it wants to be labelled at. And everybody knows who they are and they're, they're the ones with the, a little cross pile name to say he might be good enough. But then it seems like the rest are just like, well, they're just there to play a little bit of football because, you know, it, it it's a handy situation to be in. And there never ever seems to be like, we've got a breakout star here and it, it comes, you know, he comes out of nowhere and, I think we must have a centre half in there because we don't play with no centre halves in, in in the lesser ages. So yeah, why why can't we bring someone? I don't know. I I don't I don't know enough about the academy situation in terms of who is there, but that that's just how I I feel. If if we're going to be shrewd with money, if there's an asset to sell, who we aren't going to use, then 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 cash in and. And look to bring one through, like your next up for the production line, because that's how it used to be. That's how, you know, how heroes are made. Like the likes of Trent Alexander Arnold, the likes of Stephen Gerrard, the likes of Robbie Fowler, like young boys, local lads, given the opportunity. And that, that in turn, feeds the dream of thousands of kids, not only in Liverpool, but around the world, that, you know, you, you will get an opportunity, but obviously, to be a young scouser and represent Liverpool or to be unfortunate enough to represent Everton. It's it's yeah. a dream for people. So yeah. you, you've got to still dangle that carrot, I think. Yeah. And I think like if you're looking at like so like the the fourteen year year old you gets a knock you know, gets a knock on the door kind of thing, there's a scout interested and you're like, which club is he from? And it could be Liverpool, it could be Everton, it could be from here. Like no then the fourteen year old you wouldn't have any interest in Everton or Tranmere if Liverpool were knocking. That's straight away because you're so passionate about the club and all the rest of it. But um, there's plenty of 14-year-olds or whatever age who might be, well, hang on a minute, which is going to be the best club in terms of me actually getting to be a, a professional footballer? Where am I going to get a career with any of these clubs? And I think Liverpool maybe they do bring youth players through from time to time, but are we the place where you would maybe send your kid if if that was in front of you, that was the option, you know, and if you... If you clubs to choose from and you sort of put your um your passion and your loyalty and your your heart if you like to one side and just look at use your head and think where do I want to suggest my child goes to you know or where, where, where would I try and what's my advice to my child on where to go wherever however you look at it is Liverpool the place and that that thing that the obvious thing to me as you're talking then is that Okay, centre back is one of the hardest positions, maybe, to bring a young player in because it's such an important place. Like if you if you bring someone in up front, they miss a couple of sitters. It's not the end of the world because there'll probably be another chance created, and maybe if they, even if they miss the sitter, someone will go and get the rebound and all the rest of it. So it's a totally different thing, maybe centre back. But even so, as you just said, like there's there's two spaces on that bench for one goal for for a goalkeeper. You know, two places being taken by goalkeepers. Stick a, a young centre back on that bench. And if the game goes right, and if we've got time to sort of say just for the last ten minutes, even stick them out, let them have a go, and that either proves to you that they're good enough for you, and that you need to give them more time, or you know, work with them in more ways, or maybe if they're not quite good enough for you, it puts them in the shot window, and that is a thing that's true. Liverpool have done that so much; they bring players in for a low fee, maybe don't use them much if at all, and then sell them for more money. 
um, or even sell well, them for more with, with add-ons and things, you know. We've got the arguably the best centre in the world, or he, he has had that reputation for several years, and it, it, it's hardly disputed. But you've got to look at the lads who've played next to him over the years, like the likes of Joe Mata, Ibu Kanate, Joe Gomez, and Diane Lovren. Lads <laughs> who, when they're not with Virgil van Dijk, are maybe giving you a 7 out of 10, 6 out of 10. Yeah. But when they were Virgil van Dijk, they're 8 or 9 out of 10 because he will coach them through a game. And as you say, that surely you know there's a one or two down there that you could bring up. And I'm not saying that Phillips doesn't learn from him because he obviously does and he obviously has. Like he's he's obviously improved defensively in, in one way or another by being around top class players on the training facility every every day. But if you have the potential opportunities to say to you some young kid, right, we're three or four nil up in the game here, 86, 80, 80, 82 minutes, get on there for ten minutes, go and stand next to Virgil, just you know feel the atmosphere. Like this is Anfield, go and you know grace the turf because. You know, many, many millions around the world would love the opportunity to do that. And he'll talk you through the next 10 minutes. It might be a yeah. complete blur. You you don't know what's happening, but Virgil will get you through them regardless. And you will learn so much from doing that. It, I think it's just something now. You know, it just feels a little bit lost on us. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's been a lost opportunity as well from the Premier League and the FA and so on, because since Brexit, there's a lot of bad things about Brexit. Let's not even go there. But one one of the potentially good things about Brexit is it's harder to bring players in. Like, you can't bring some Spanish wonder kid in now quite the way you could because the rules have changed. So you've got to bring players in that are basically from from Great Britain, whatever that in, whatever that entails. Maybe even from the UK. I don't know if it, I really don't know the rules. But you maybe can bring a lad in from Northern Ireland and that would be okay. But you probably couldn't bring a lad in from the Republic unless um, I'm not quite sure the, the way the rules work with, with Ireland maybe you could but you definitely can't bring a young lad in from Spain the way you could so we've got to bring lads in that are local in the sense of being from from this island or something and and that that helps the FA find the next future really good England winger or the, and, and to be honest you know be, be friends with the Scottish FA it might help them find the next amazing right back which maybe maybe we're going to do with, with young Calvin but it's it's an opportunity to to sort of find these young players. So maybe the Premier League, when they up the subs and said you can have that number of subs, you can bring that many on, it's just put some stipulation in that maybe two of the subs on the bench have got to be under twenty ones. You know, it's not it's not rocket science. It's not going to hurt anyone. And some of the clubs that were against the increase in the number of substitutions you can have were kind of looking at Liverpool as if Liverpool had all this money and could just find all these amazing players. Well, as we've seen this season, Liverpool's bench has not been full of amazing players. It's been full of potential and things like that, but it's not been full of like top top draw players. So, yeah, that would have been an opportunity, but never mind. Football loves missing opportunities, doesn't it? Um, but you could say earlier on in the season, we kept missing opportunities, but I don't think we did against Wolves. I mean, uh, Wolves, my God, against Southampton. <laughs> this is it. It's been that sort of a season already. Um, we... We got three goals from two strikers, and although we did we did let one in as as is sort of our sort of trademark these days, um, I thought it was a good good performance from those two up front. They, um, you know, they they put a shift in, they got the they got the goal. Salah Salah was okay, no, we didn't score, but you know, this is what we want. We want we we as much as we spent so much time on this podcast just now talking about defence, it's up front that gets you excited, isn't it? And um, you know, Bobby. Um, 
has he has he earned a new contract from that? From what you were saying, is is um is Darwin kind of underlined why we paid so much for him? This this is this is what we want to see. That's why I was so glad we went in to this break with that result. Are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll start with, with Bobby. I think, you know, sort of your head says maybe, possibly, and your heart probably says, yeah, it's Bobby. Give yeah. me. Um, and, and, the, and this season, he, he certainly, you know, he's up to his goal scoring output. Um, I think there's an argument to be said that we've, we've probably overplayed them because we've had to, mm. um, again, down to injuries. Um, but, you know, he, he, he's doing it, he's doing it in, in the right moments and like, he scored a few key goals for us. You know, like, you, you think of like the, the game against Arsenal and he come off the bench and, and he, he scored a wonderful goal, but, you know, unfortunately the result didn't go our way. Um, for which I must flag up that Michael Oliver has apologised for Klopp for that because he made a few wrong decisions. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful if there was a system available that a referee could be told, I think you made a wrong uh, decision there. Go and have a little look at that. Have a, have a second second view and see if you want to stick with that decision. And, it could be like a, like an assistant referee, but he's like on video link or something. Yeah. Like, what they could call yeah. it. Like video, I don't know. Anyway. It, that'd be handy, that, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, instead of four weeks later, some referee crawling out of a hole and saying, oh, sorry about that, go I got it wrong. And you know what? Uh, would would Klopp have had his touchline ban if, if Oliver had had the, the, the balls, the decency, the good nature, the manners to apologise in a timely manner? Because I don't see why he couldn't have apologised two days later. It won't change the game, but it will change attitudes. And no wonder Klopp was losing his rag with referees when he'd seen something like that. Because straight away, Klopp's wary of referees because he's seen that in front of him. Yeah, it just it, it's happened a few times, and it because it was wasn't it the, the referee regarding the city game and stuff like that. Um, was that Oliver as well who said he got that one wrong, or, or Anthony Taylor? I can't remember. There's that many of them who get so many things wrong. Um, but yeah, just just a, a flag of notes, and yeah. maybe you know, in hindsight, there would there not be adverse reactions like you're saying from Jurgen Klopp? But um, bringing it back to Bobby, I think. We are the type of club where if we were flush for cash and we could bring in players ad hoc for 40, 50 million, three or four at a time every summer, um, one or two in the winter, then we would probably say, thank you very much, Bobby. Um, You've saved us well. However, we've got a couple of young lads lined up for the summer. Um, All the best. But we don't. We operate differently at the current time, under the current ownership, under the current financial um, operation that we we guys buy. So, give them, you know, maybe a two year deal 
isn't such a bad thing. He's, he's good around the dressing room because we've got a lot, a lot of Latin South American players. He is a key figure in terms of you know uniting them. Um, from what I understand, the any other sort of players who come from that region, or even the likes of Jota, who speaks Portuguese as well, um, and Carvalho as well, um, he sort of welcomes them into the family, and they have a little community, which you know must really help those lads settle again. Yeah. Takes us over to Darwin Nunes. He come from Portugal, obviously via uh, come from Uruguay via Portugal. Um, new country, new language, young boy, new club, new manager, new tactics. A lot of things thrown at the lad. And he didn't have the ideal start. We don't need to go over it. But every week, he impresses me. Every mm. week, there's something there to, that you come away from the game and say, well, his movement was good. His heading's good. His hold-up's getting better. He's winning, you know, scored a few headers. Like He's a towering um presence in the box his pace is good his track and back's getting better I, he's frightening week, defenders there's so much stuff yeah. every week that you, you're ticking the box and saying you know what this is why we bought him and the bottom one is goals they're coming yeah. so you know we, we can't we can't really argue if, if you're still doubting Darwin Nunes then you've got an agenda against him personally because you know to write a lad off after half dozen games which a lot of people did and to slowly crawl under a rock because you know he's proven them right. And once again, Klopp's and Liverpool's transfer recruitment policy is proven right. We don't really sign any duds, and those who are maybe labelled as a dud, there's usually a cross next to them because there's a reason why. Allah Navigata in terms of fitness, that's it. Yeah. His ability isn't doubted; it's his fitness. Yeah, that's it, and and that that's that's one thing that's hard to sort of mitigate against. You can do all kinds of medical checks and so on and so forth, but you can't you can't predict that someone's going to start having bad injuries and things that that maybe are to- totally unconnected. But maybe you know may- maybe you can sort of get to the bottom of things. I know years ago, uh, Stephen Gerrard and Michael Owen were both getting a lot of injuries, hamstrings, and they worked out that it was something to do with the back muscles or something. It's such a long time ago. I'm not a medical expert, but basically the, the, the medics we had at the time or the specialists they went to see, you know, looked at this, this recurring problem and looked at a bigger picture and found out a way to sort of help it. And obviously, I mean, Gerard played for years as, you know, as a top quality player for us and maybe could have played longer. Um, you know, if, if we'd have been able to let him, um, accept the role of maybe not being a starter every week, maybe, you know, in different circumstances, we'd have kept him a bit longer and he'd have, been doing a job for us and that's what I like about about Bobby staying to be honest that as we just said with Milner these an, an older player is not necessarily useless to you um he's got to be able to score the goals he's got to be able to put the performances in he's got to be able to play a role for us that we want him to play if if that means it changes slightly as time goes on it never did John Barnes any harm changing his role for Liverpool back in the day when you know we got a good few more years out of him by him changing his role I think Bobby Bobby's important to us so Depending on the kind of money being spoken about, it would be it, it would be terrible to see him playing against us next season or something, you know, because we just let his contract run out and or let it slip down to a point where we had to accept an offer for him. You know, he's he's our player, he's, he's our Bobby for me. You know, he's nobody else's, and I'd be delighted if he kind of spent the rest of his days playing for us. And when it was time for him to call it a day, he called it a day with us, and and you know we look back with fondness at what he'd done right from the from the beginning right to the end. Let's let's see. Um, just quickly as well on on the bench, back to the bench if you like. Um, 
and then back to the youngsters. I think as well as Bobby potentially getting a new contract, another one mentioned is a, is a young lad who just signed his first contract, isn't it, Ben Dork? Yeah, um, he was seventeen, I think, back end of last week. Um, so obviously, the professional contract is only available for lads who turn seventeen. As a sixteen-year-old, it's a it's a different type of contract. But yeah. um, made his debut against Derby was was lively, aggressive. Um, you know, I think he was only on the pitch for around about. 18, 20 minutes and he completed more dribbles than anyone else on the night um, which kind of shows how poor a game that was <laughs> um, <laughs> but also shows obviously the, the talent this, this kid's got um, and he's fearless and from all accounts you know if you if you have a look at just um, games played at the underage level he tends to be on the score sheet quite a regular basis um, without having to confess to watching any of the youth football which I've said um, you'd always do probably Glance and I, if, if the under-18s or under-23s are playing, you can't just say, oh, have they got on? Oh, they won, like, 3-2, who scored? And as we said before, there's always a handful of names who are touted as the next big thing. And he is, you know, in that conversation as a potential future star. And getting goals on a regular basis won't do him any harm. And we cherry-picked him from Celtic because Brexit allows us to, because <laughs> he's technically yeah. British. Yeah. Um, but he, he's got something and hopefully, you know, um, with the right education, the right development that we can have another another player on our hands. And um, He's developed in the right way and he's he's at the right place. And if he's a left-footed player who plays on the right-hand side, I think, could be wrong, but if that's the position he came on. Um, there's a fella there called Mo Salary who isn't, isn't too bad as a role model to learn from either. Yeah. Um, a mo- model pro, some might say. Um, labels, ob- obviously given to to those lads who, who work hard and, and are industrious, but something that isn't really ever said about most salad, and if you look at them physically, if that's not a model pro, I don't know what is. Yeah, he's modelling out his attitude as well. I mean, there was that in the Southampton game, that's when I knew there'd been a really bad decision made because he got so angry. I can't even remember what it was now. It might have even been... Um, that we got, we should have had a corner and we got a goal kick. I just can't, I can't remember what it was, but I just remember thinking at the time, you don't see him lose his rag like that. The must have, that must have been a bad decision because he's, he's an honest player. Um, in the true sense of the word, I think, Mo Salah. But yeah, bringing in, um, players from Celtic and things, I think what we've got there is we, we're trying to produce players in the academy. If that doesn't work out and we can bring young players in from other academies, then, you know, we we help those other academies because money will change hands at some point, whether it's straight away or further down the line. There's you know there's rules in place to make sure academies don't lose out financially if if a big bigger or other club, if you like, comes and brings brings one of your players off, takes one of your players off you. So there's there's scope there for for Celtic to maybe use some money from Liverpool to find more stars, and maybe we'll go and cherry pick one of those again. But you know, I. There's something about, I mean, as an older fan, I remember when we kind of found all our best players from Scotland and maybe that's coming back again and, and maybe, you know, maybe there's some more to be found. Let's, let's hope. I mean, we've not done bad in the past with players from Celtic too. Most recently, Van Dyke was a former Celtic player. 
And there's some lad called Kenny Dalgalish who came from Celtic as well who didn't do too badly for us. So, you know, I have nothing against us bringing players in from Celtic if they're right. We've just got to keep doing that scouting at all levels, scouting for the youngsters, scouting for the for the more established players, scouting for the the next big thing and all of this. This this is what we've got to keep doing, keep all that going and, and keep building and building and building. Um, he actually, sadly, um, he actually got injured playing for the under-21s last night by the looks of it. So... Um, the Scotland, Scotland under-21s, yeah. So he might be, uh, you know, hopefully. I mean, this happens, doesn't it? He's probably, by the sounds of it, he had three three chances saved by the Iceland keeper. Um, there's probably an order went out to just keep him quiet. And maybe maybe that's what it was. Um, he played the full game, actually, but there was a bit of a rough challenge in the, in the second half. So, you know, he's, he's having some treatment, but hopefully that's not too bad. And then um, another play we've, we mentioned just before we came on, we were talking about is... Um, We've mentioned him before, Curtis Jones. Um, I still feel like some people think the jury's out on him, but you know the fact is, there's the reason the jury's out. If it is out, is that there's still a decision to be made about him. He's not. He's not. He's not. Maybe not the finished article, but he's not sort of a nobody. He's going to be good at some point, I think, for someone. Whether it does remains to be seen. So I think it's, in my view, it's worth getting him tied down if you can. Because then you dictate where he goes to next, whether that's your first team as an established player or somewhere else for a decent fee. Yeah, I think I think I've already made have had a couple of years left on this deal. Um and if if we've done the the thing the thing of protecting the assets in terms of what we haven't done with Oxley Chamberlain, Naby Keita, and let their contracts get to the point of the last twelve months and therefore Obviously, with those two lads, and and, and with Curtis Jones has been injury issues um, over the time at Liverpool. But Curtis is obviously a lot younger, um, and we probably see that as potentially more valuable to us, whether that be saleable assets or whether that be using on the pitch assets. Um, and we've allowed players to walk away, in my opinion, far too often for no fees, and that has not aided our ability to spend in the transfer market, but. That is for the bigger, longer discussion. Um, I think with Kersus, I think we've said it before, we don't know what he is. He, some people might think he's a 10, some might people say he's he's a midfielder, some say he's he's better from the left, some people think you know, he, he can be something else different. Um, and I'm of the opinion that we need to go and send them somewhere for a year. Do what Chelsea have done with the likes of Mason Mount, the likes of Conor Gallagher. Go and get this lad 39, 40 games, first team football every week for the whole season, whether that be Championship, whether that be um, another Premier League outfit, and find out A, is he good enough to play Premier League football, which we all probably think he is. He's got a lot of ability. And B, what is his best position? Oh yeah. And then and then we will know is he an asset to sell, is he an asset to keep? Because I don't think he's ever gonna get the opportunity to to nail down a dozen starts for Liverpool. I, I, unless there's a you know, a, a, an injury um outbreak which basically means Curtis and two other midfielders, that's all we've got for our free midfield. Uh, free, free available for fielders for either a, you know a three man midfield or a two man midfield, whoever we want to line up. If that's all we've got, and it's a case of Curtis Jones or some seventeen year old lad in the um, the academy, then I just don't see him getting the opportunity because 
he, he's still learning, he's still developing, and he, he needs to go and do that somewhere else for me. And that's not a knock on him. It's probably a knock on the club that we've not allowed them to develop in this way, and we've probably held them back one or two years too many and held on to them. Now, again, that all ties into the conversation of have you not got the numbers in the squad? So, therefore, Alan and Phillips, you need to keep these people around just because, you know, depth and numbers and squad quality isn't always there. So, I think if he's, if he's signed a long deal and it's four or five years from now, we've potentially got the opportunity, should we have the right numbers of recruitments over the next couple of transfer windows to give him a chance to go somewhere and learn because he, he probably wants to play football more than anyone else and obviously play for Liverpool. But if someone turns around and says, we will offer you a full season football, that's too valuable to turn down. Yeah, it is. And I think it's an investment as well. Like investing in his contracts, investing in then getting him out to a club where he can play regular football and the investment that you get back in that, you know, your return on your investment in that is that you get a player that's either, as you, as we say, he's good enough for you, you bring him back into the fold and he starts being a regular for you, you know, regular part of your squad, regularly involved in games, or you've actually upped his value in terms of what his resale value is because people have actually seen what he can do rather than just little cameos here and there and thinking this lad's got potential, they've got, no, this lad's good enough for us and it might not be good enough for Liverpool, but it'd be good enough for someone with the kind of money where we would be asking for him at that point and it gives him a, a, a chance for a decent career and you know maybe as much as he's a Liverpool fan maybe one day he's going to come back to Anfield playing for another club and score the winner at Anfield so it, it's it's all part of how football is but just talking about investment briefly um, on the other investment stuff that's going on is um, apparently Tom Werner's um, issued a statement that's come out via the Boston Globe which I'm pretty sure FSG own anyway that paper Um what he's saying is we're exploring a sale, but there's no urgency, no time frame for us. And as far as I'm concerned, it's business as, un- as usual. And one outcome could be our continued, our continued stewardship for quite a while. So that kind of goes along with what we were saying right at the start of the show, that there's nothing really changed. But if, if the club does change hands, then, you know, worry about it when it happens for the na- for now. We're kind of going to carry on being run as we have been for the last few years. So it, it sounds to me that there's no, whether that's been put out because there's too much, so much speculation, it's going to start unsettling the club. I don't think it is. I think, I think the timing's good. If there's anyone out there really genuinely interested seriously with the money, this is a good time to find out and let them get the money on the table. But you know, um, and the only other thing I'm going to add on that is that whatever Tom Werner says in public, in, in the, through the press and all the rest of it, is, you know, there's always a reason for it. Now, whether that's to keep fans calm or whether that's to let some investor know that if they don't pull the finger out, they're going to lose the sale, that, you know, this is his way of saying, you know, find another half a billion because we're not shifting up this amount. Who knows? But to me, from our point of view, we should read it as, you know, things are going to carry on as they are. There's no rush. We're not going to be sold tomorrow. And it's not like a fire sale like it was for Chelsea, you know, because of what was going on in Russia. This, this is a sale hopefully, that's going to be handled properly and they are going to stick to the word of, of the way they, they've sort of given hints so far that they're going to sell us to the right people. So let's see. Um, I'm sure as we do more of these shows over the next couple of months that we'll get more and more mentions of the, the potential sale of the club. Um, you know, until FSG turn around and say it's sold or we're not selling, it's going to keep going. So um, I think it's best we don't think too much about it. 
talking of um, talking of clubs and owners and things, I mean, another club that gets our attention quite a bit for its ownership, we've mentioned before, is Manchester United, and um, we, I think that that's, that club, it, the way it's owned, I'm not sure why the fans, are, I can see why the fans are unhappy with the owners because the amount of money they're taking out, but they're still getting a lot of money put in, but the way the club is, there's just so much discord from from top to bottom, inside and out of that club, with ex-players, you know, mocking current players, with ex-managers getting so much leeway when maybe they should have had that steering wheel taken out of their hands much sooner. But listen, it's all good comedy for us when it happens. But um, you were mentioning it, and there's been an interview this week which has kind of underlined that with Manchester United, with the sort of interview and the aftermath. And... Um, sort of underline why Liverpool, in our view at least, and maybe in Ronaldo's view, because that's what we were talking about, um, why Liverpool is a different club to a lot of others. Yeah, we, we've often said um, we're different in many ways, um, not just from Manchester United, but from everyone else. Um, again, not just as people, but as a club, uh, as a fan base. Um, we pride ourselves on on being different um, as Liverpool fans and whether that's the way we dress, the way we speak, the way we act, um, the way we support the club. It, it's a whole variety of ways, but it's a pride thing on on being where you're from um, and who you support. Now, there's a gang across the park who are maybe not proud of who they support, but <laughs> the situation that their mothers and fathers put them in, um, sadly, because at one point they were successful, um, but now they're not. But, it, it's probably similar to Manchester United. They were also successful once and they probably will be successful again. There's no denying, you know, a club of that size and stature will probably come back around and, and find a way somewhere towards a pitch, whether they regain that pitch, we, we will, you know, yet to be seen. Um, but this Ronaldo interview was, it was grabbing headlines, front and back page, um, um, to reference the newspapers and, Good old Piers Morgan, um, a man who doesn't like to, you know, keep his trap shut. And I've not watched the full interview because a, why would I? <laughs> and yeah. B, it's them too. Right? Not an against Ronaldo, not an against Piers Morgan, but not my cup of tea, fellas. Um, I've got other things to watch and do with my time. But the snippets that you've seen, the sound by set of commands, Piers Morgan being the journalistic egotistical maniac that he is is feeding the words to Ronaldo in terms of guided questions and Ronaldo is taking the bait and running with it mm-hmm. um, but he threw more people under the bus than Jose um, he's obviously itching to get out of that club uh, out of the city and he's not asked who he sets on fire however he did find a moment of class and said that he didn't expect what he got in Anfield, which was a moment of respect for obviously his lost, I think it was his son. Um, I think he had twins. Um, in a moment of time when, you know, people have, have pointed fingers and and often stood and said, well, Liverpool fans disrespect the national anthem, they disrespect the establishment, they, you know, they, they boo the national anthem, they've got no time for when the Queen passed away and stuff like that. It wasn't a wholehearted silence, but that's a much deeper rooted conversation, which again we've brought up on several times, and you could go on for for days. And if anything, it's probably one for Tony Evans to really delve into. Yeah. Um, but 
losing somebody like a family member. Um, you know, there was a tragic case of a of a poor child being shot in the city um, not so long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't matter who that child supports, who, who the family is, where they come from, they will be remembered by Liverpool and Everton fans alike. And it just so happened that we were playing Manchester United and Ronaldo had lost a child. And as a mark of respect, the type of people that we are, we're human. We understand this. <laughs> like, yeah, we're not we're not the evil scouts. They don't like the Manx all the time. We dislike them ninety five percent of the time. But in times like tragedies, such as those of Munich and Hills, which both clubs have gone through, and losing a child like Ronaldo did, we stood and applauded them. Now I was on the cop for that game. There was a couple of people around me saying, "Why? Why are you applauding him?" And there was a lot of people that shut them down and said, "This fellow's lost a kid." Mm. Doesn't matter who he plays for. Doesn't matter who pays his wages. Doesn't matter what shirt he's wearing. He's lost a kid, and that just shows the class of the people. And for him to highlight that in an interview, which was obviously premeditated to shoot so many people down, he, he gets you know he gets a round of applause from me, and I'll, I will probably give him a round of applause again. Yeah, because um, of the type of person and player he is and whatever. But you know, it was nice for him to, to come out and say that, and, it, and it's. Just maybe it was a swipe at United. I don't know, but it's it's good that he said it. It clearly resonated, and he, and he, he clearly wasn't expecting because of, because of the rivalry between the two clubs. And it does, you know, it does cross lines from time to time. It has done during my lifetime. I've seen it cross lines, and and sadly from both sets of fans, it can cross lines. But I think on the whole, it doesn't. And I think um, one one of the things that stands out from what you've just said as well is that thing that um, you know we're. There's, there's 50,000 people in the stadium or whatever it is, you know, whatever the capacity is at that time in history, 45,000 most of the time when I was younger. It's, 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 you know, it's 45,000 people with 45,000 opinions and feelings and all the rest of it. And there's going to be some differences in how people think, but there's a thing about, about Liverpool fans as a collective. And I think about the city, the people of the city and, and, and the surroundings as a collective that it's this sort of self-policing way of doing things. So, so people weren't up, up for the idea. But they got put straight, and they thought, okay, well, fair enough. You know, that's what other people want. We'll we'll go with that. You know, and maybe, you know, maybe if there was like a big debate being had well before the kickoff and stuff, then, you know, maybe there'd have been a bit of discussion and backwards and forwards. But in the end, the overall thing would be all right. Then fair enough. And you know, I mean, I can remember when the U- the war on Ukraine had just started, and um, we were sort of, I can't remember if it was a minute silence that we did at the time. You know, to sort of show solidarity to Ukraine. And I was on the cop for that game and I can just remember someone saying, what about Palestine? And I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's another issue that needs to be brought up, but let's deal with the one in front of us now. You know, and, and there was there was definitely a big show of solidarity for Ukraine from fans, not just from our club, to be fair, but from everyone. But again, it's another example of that sort of self-policing. And um, this this is what I think makes us different. And, you know, we, we had a moment where we saw someone, a human being had gone through hell. That's a, there's no other way to describe it. That's one of the most, as a dad myself, that that's one of the most horrific things I can think it could happen, is to lose a child in any circumstances. It must be horrific. I can't even begin to think how bad it is. I can only try and imagine, and, and it, it must be horrific. And yet, you know, dads and mums from other clubs come to Anfield week after week and slag off. Well, not slag off. Well, yes, slag off the people who lost their children at Hillsborough, and that—that—that's why. I mean, we keep mentioning that, but that's—that's that's the difference. And you know, 
we're, 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 whoever we support and why ever we support them, we're all human beings, and that that it pisses me off that football fans far too often forget that and they get stuck in this world that. And let's face it, people like Piers Morgan are the kind of people who sort of um, amplify it a lot of the time. This world of toxicity and and everything's black and white and good and bad and evil versus angelic acts and all the rest of it, it, it winds me up. But um, never mind. But in in a way, sort of changing the subject a little bit, it's a bit like that with Everton as well because everything to them is either it's either it's either copite behaviour or it's their behaviour. It's either good or it's bad. And it's so funny watching them implode because just quickly on that Southampton game, I said um, they'll be wanting us, they'll be wanting us to lose that game, even though it helps them. But we won it and helped them, didn't we? Because they're just outside the relegation zone, going into this um, this enforced break. They're like in the spot that's just outside the relegation places. The one point from safety, basically, uh, one point in in the safety positions, if you like. So. Um, Anything interesting happen with Everton this week? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Um, he went down. Oh, down, down under, sorry. Uh, that was <laughs> Sydney. Um, he might go down though. Um, and... I did think we said last week the natives are getting restless. Um, again, reference to you know maybe native Australia while they're down there. Um, maybe you know they can boomerang the way back. Um, I'm I'm out of cheap ones now, um, <laughs> but I think you know it's always good to have a little a side glance at them and and see how bad they're doing. Um, and you know Frank's record, I think he's been there almost a year now. Is worse than Raffers. Um, his start is worse than Raffers, and I couldn't yet to see any bed sheets um, plastered on fences. You know, forcing Frank out because he gets them. But as things go on and on and on, like they are, um, they all are starting to get a bit restless. Um, they're all finally seeing Anthony Gordon for what he really is. Who's a lad who spends more time face down on the turf than running across the turf. Um, yeah, like you see, like when um, when Napoli came over, and they were like doing that quite a bit. You start, you sort of expect it, but it just doesn't look right in this country, does it? Like especially, yeah. you know, they're, just, they're, they're not a bunch of the Everton fans, and I think like 
you know, the, the clinging to the fact that they've got this shiny new stadium um, being built on the dock, which does look impressive, but you can't polish a turd. Like, you know, you, you can have a lovely stadium, like, go back 15, 20 years, the likes of, you know, big new stadiums at the time, like likes of Sunderland and Middlesbrough. I was thinking but, Sunderland, yeah. Like, you can have this impressive, like, stadium, but if the team that are playing there are no good, it's going to be a graveyard. It's going to be empty. Um, and they couldn't need as much as they say they do. They don't feel good at some park as it is because they're that turgid and they can't watch them. So what are they going to do when they get this new brand spanking new one? Um, I think what what the lads in work who, who we speak to on a regular basis who are on the whole, because you catch them on their own, they're level-headed um, Evertonians who will you know, give you the honest truth um, in what they're thinking. And they were looking forward to this break more than we were because we started to turn a corner, as we said earlier on, things are starting to look in the right direction. But they're worried, like, individually, when you get them alone, they're worried. When you get them together, they turn into this weird sort of fetish fan base that I think, you know, cop out to the, the worst thing since sliced bread. And I... <sighs> I love yeah, how they're, 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 they're odd, they're odd, but did they, they, they're starting to realise what 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 I think everyone else knew, which is he's not good enough. Yeah, and if he's not good enough for the club that he's so well linked to, you know, he, he was given a chance at Chelsea and didn't last that long at all, considering that there was like a sort of um, loyalty towards him, if you like, that you know fans would have given him so much more more time the way that, you know, I mean, I don't want anyone to start thinking I want Steven Gerrard to be Liverpool manager. I think he's got a lot, a long time to go yet before you even start thinking about that. But if, if Steven Gerrard was given a job as Liverpool manager, he'd get a lot more leeway off the fans than many other managers would because he's Steven Gerrard and, and Lampard had that down at Chelsea and it wasn't enough. And um, maybe Everton felt that maybe he was, he was mistreated because Chelsea's such a sort of trigger happy club with managers, but the scene is not and they've got you know they've got an issue now because they had a manager that spent a load of money and then left and they had a manager who didn't get any money and didn't do very well but better than the current guy so they gave the current guy a load of money that's been spent and now he's not doing very well and yeah stadium alike the thing that always jumps out about that stadium to me is how faded the seats look because if you ever do watch a game it's so empty you know and the fans I know and and all and fair play I mean it's not it's not just down to a lack of support from the club not doing well, it's financial reasons as well. I know a lot of people just can't afford to go to the game anymore and we're quite fortunate, those of us who can go to a game. So I'm not, you know, I don't want to sort of downplay that. But even so, one of the sad things about the stadium of light is how faded it is in terms of the seats looking like they're all washed out, the colours gone in them. And that's what Everton are facing if they're not careful. I mean, the um, the stadium in Bolton that used to be called the Reebok Stadium, that was all, all well and good in its day. But, you know, what kind of footballs that had? It's not been having... Premier League football in it like it used to. Wigan Athletic, another club that had a stadium, not not as grand as Everton Stadium, but even so, um, you don't see that in the Premier League anymore. And this this is the thing. The, the, there's loads of clubs we can talk about that we can talk about. Even clubs that you've you've watched Liverpool play in the last ten fifteen years, or I've watched Liverpool play last ten fifteen years. So many clubs who aren't going to be in the Premier League for a while, they're not in there. You know, once you drop out of it, you don't come back. And I don't think. I don't know, Everton fans seemed to love it last season when they were in the relegation battle. They got all excited for something and I'm sure there was a massive sense of joy when they saved themselves from relegation, but 
You know, they're kind of almost getting what they wish for because I'm sure some of them were, were kind of think, can we do this every year? Well, yeah, you can, but you might not escape it every year. Yeah, it, it, it happened, like, Burnley, probably the most recent and prime example. Like, if, you know, you, you Burnley were very shrewd with money and didn't invest in nowhere near as much as Everton. If we'd have added Everton's investments over the last five, six years, mm. God knows what we are the one because we have been tight compared to what Everton have spent and now they've spent it poorly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not for the lack of, you know, wanting or trying. Um, but if you had to face a situation which Rafa Benitez went into where it was, we can't give you much money because we've recklessly spent over the last few years, it's going to come around again in the next year or two. And again, bringing it to Burnley, who were very shrewd operators in terms of the way they balance their accounting sheet. But if you're not willing to invest or you can't, however you want to dress it up, eventually, if you flare with the trap door enough, it'll open enough and you will get caught and you will go down. And looking at the championship now, Burnley are doing well, but it only takes three bad results and you are probably 14th in that league or three good results and you go from 14th to second. It's it's an absolute mental league and a I wouldn't want to be down there because I don't know if your heart rate would take it. Like sometimes you just think, can we just be stable and just stay around fourth or fifth position um, rather than flirt up and down the league? But if Everton do continue this sort of weird obsession with we'll live off passion and you know we'll parade dogs down the street and we'll yeah. get the blue flares out and whatever, you eventually will go down because not every year will there be three teams worse than you and. You know, your point being, we've done them a favour by beating Southampton. But from from being at the game last week, Southampton were, were okay, but you, it's it's fairly evident where their problems lie, um, much as it is with other teams on the bottom end of the league. But the likes of Nottingham Forest, who are below them, have started to pick up a few points, a couple of wins, obviously, notably they beat us. Um, and this break for teams down at the end of the league is obviously going to give them an opportunity like Forest, who've got basically a whole new squad in there, a chance to you know maybe bet a few things in and probably improve. And then Wolves have got a new manager down there. <clears throat> what are they going to bring in the second half of the season? Um, you know, there's all these questions, and I just don't know where Everton go from here. Did he? Did he change manager because that's clearly not working for them in in recent times? And Southampton have got a new fella coming in, as we said. West Ham probably will not be as bad as what they couldn't have been, and maybe this year is one year too many in terms of the European destruction. Yeah, and then just looking above them, Leicester have pulled themselves right out of the the mire, where we probably all thought Brendan Rodgers was was out the door, but they've stuck with him and. He started to pull things around. Villa have changed manager, a couple of wins, climbed up the table. Bournemouth, I would imagine either they give Gary O'Neill the job he was doing okay, or they've waited to this World Cup opportunity to find someone they wanted and get them in and give them five, six weeks like a pre-season to bed in and improve. And then there's Leeds, who, you know, are absolutely crazy. They beat us, but yeah. they, can, they can easily go and get tanked and just when you look there, you think, well, is there really 
three worst teams in Everton. I don't, I don't think there is. I, they're going to be in trouble. Um, once we get to March, April, May time, and if they are still down there, they're laughing and joking, and then you know start to be in because you know there's people who, who you love, there's friends, family, you at Evertonians, and it in a sadistic way, it's kind of funny just just to laugh and mock at them because. For years and years, they've always said, "Ah, oh, we won't go down. We're too good. We're too good. We're too good." And the, the cocky arrogance of them, and they'll always try and knock us down a peg, even though we've been much more successful. But if they actually do go down, God knows what'll happen. Like we've said it before last year, they, they probably will self-implode, and you know, you, you, fear, you fear for them. Yeah, I mean, and I, I mean, we we, I don't know, I. I remember last year we were saying like, do we want them to go down? Do we not? And we we kind of all said, well, we'd miss the derby. And then you think about your mate who, who would be genuinely devastated by it, that kind of thing. And you know, the decent fan that you get on his own is all right. But then, like you say, when they're all together as a group, you know, they would have deserved to have gone down the way they've been the last few years. And sacrificing a dog isn't probably going to help them this time. They're going to have to think of something better than that to get to, to survive it, unless they change. And There'll be a lot of fun on the way. I think they've just... Um, it's a shame they can't go back. They, they blame so much on what happened at Heisel, really, on their whole downfall, that they've, they've believed that for so long that they've failed to see what any real problems are, and they've just basically blamed Liverpool for everything for, like, decades now. And, you know, leave them to it. I mean, I, it, I'm i saying all this in a kind of... I know we're sort of having a laugh about them, but there's, there's a big part of me wants them to kind of recognise it and sort of slap themselves round the face and sort of snap out of it, if you like, and sort of wake up and see what's really been going on for all these years. But you know what? <laughs> Carry on making us have a laugh because it's, it's good. It's good. It's, it's good to have a laugh. And that's what football is. It should be something to laugh at. I think we've done done everything. we said plenty this week, haven't we, about Liverpool. And football's on a break now, as far as I'm concerned, because there's some other thing going on that isn't proper football. But... I'm sure I will be sort of drawn to the TV at some point over the next few weeks and keep an eye on things. But, um, you know, football shouldn't be getting played at this time of year and shouldn't be getting played where it's getting played. But it is. Can't do anything about it. So um, in the meantime, we'll keep some content coming for you and maybe not be too World Cup heavy on it because I bet you like, if you like us, you'd be glad to just get a break from the World Cup because it's going to be on the front and back of every paper. You're going to never hear the end of it for the next month or so. And, um if it's good, great. But if it's not, you need somewhere else to think about, don't you? So we'll do that. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening, as always. Thanks to Jay. And we will be back soon. So enjoy the World Cup if you're watching it. Enjoy whatever you do instead if you're not. Just find some other distraction until football's back to do it for you. But for now, that's it from us. And we'll see you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index, and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.